This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones. I am Jarvis Davis. That is Tanitra Batiste. The NFL draft is over. The Atlanta Falcons completed. Terry Fontenot does his thing, maybe, possibly. I know I'm feeling a little different than I was after day one, T. You know, I kind of went over on a rant on Friday, but um, I I, I think overall I'm feeling a little good. So we're definitely going to get into that. We'll give our overall thoughts on the NFL draft. We're going to preview the Braves um, Mets series tonight. Oh, are they on the brink of their season in May? (laughs) We're going (laughs) to figure that out tonight (laughs) with Max Fried on the mound. And also – uh, we'll dig into who the Falcons starters um, should come out of draft. How many other starters going to come out of this draft class mm-hmm. this year? And last night, these will finish it out on For the Culture. HBCU players, they got their name called. We got quite a few of them, and we will get into all of that. But first, T, I got to I gotta give a shout-out to all our uh, subscribers and people yeah. who came and checked us out over the weekend. Yeah. We had some over-the-weekend content put out there, and you guys showed up and showed out, so I really, really appreciate you for that. And for those of you who haven't joined in on the party, join in on the party. Go to YouTube, search Locked On Sports Atlanta, and you can find all of that good old free content. we got a big lineup for you. ATL Day 1s, obviously, A to Z with Mark Zeno, and Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Go ahead and like and subscribe and check us out. And also catch us on all our audio platforms, wherever you download your podcast. But, you know, T, I, I think that overall, I think the Falcons did a pretty good doggone job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. And we said Friday that round two, the draft really starts here. Because yes. we would need to see rounds two through seven and how we could maybe get a peek into Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith's philosophies, their mindset, their look the vision? to the present as well as the future. Like help us to understand what it is you're trying to do. And I think once we saw the full eight picks and we saw five on offense, but three on defense in some much needed spaces, that's when we started to get a comfort zone. Like, ah, we see where you're going with this. Yes. We see some of the uh, picks from our mock draft land in your actual draft. So we see you, Terry Fontenot. We see you, Arthur Smith. And yes, I would say that I am very encouraged by what they did across the entire draft space for 2022. You know, and I think that when you talk about that, you know, that that wide view, right, that 30,000 foot view so to speak and i was it was funny because like when it was they were coming up and they were in the sixth round and i think they were like one pick 180 because you know me i'm sitting there watching like this doggone the game seven of the nba finals or something <laughs> like that so because that's just the nfl draft is just my thing i, I absolutely love it have always watched it and uh i was even joking with um my wife uh how you know i was like man all those years of watching the nfl draft all day every day it's finally starting to pay off so i appreciate that yeah Yeah. so uh we had a good laugh about that one but i I think that when you look at 
that sixth round and it was around about pick 180 and I tweeted out I was like you know what there's some familiar names that are you know <laughs> that are available uh coming up at 190 and now said I think it's going to be offensive line and then and you know how the Falcons have been in the past yes. about when pick trying to figure out who they're going to pick mostly everybody's been wrong <laughs> for yeah. the most part so that that covers this team on a daily basis mm -hmm. um uh but you know when that when it when it justin schaefer's name came across the board i was like yep not surprised i mean because yep. you know it's offensive line help right you know mm -hmm. and he plays a, a very specific position that is maybe putting a specific person on notice like yes. we know we drafted him in the sixth round but this dude has right. a lot of experience playing at that exact same spot and mm -hmm. he played in the sec so yeah he went he's gone against a lot of good competition so he's battle tested so i think Jalen mayfield might be on notice to you i don't know you might have to yeah. might have to talk me down off that ledge yeah, I, I agree and can't wait to dive into that a little bit more because Justin Schaefer may be one of our guys who, when we do our Falcons deep dive, we say, hey, is he going to be a starter day one? Or is he somebody that if he has an amazing camp and can, and is showing you that the potential can be, become the product in the fall, then maybe a couple games in, if it's not looking right across that O-line, maybe in that guard spot or where have you, hmm. Somebody might be usurped from the starting line. Usurped is a perfect word for that particular situation. Um, usurped also applies to the Atlanta Braves. Um, they got usurped out of winning a series yeah. over the weekend. They lose to the Texas Rangers. Uh, nephew Ronnie goes, Ronald Cunha for those folks in Dunwoody, goes 0 for 4. You know, I guess D Dansby Swanson got two more hits, so he's starting to come around. So I guess yeah. that's the one bright spot, right? Mm -hmm. One bright spot, and also Austin Riley because consistency yes. counts for something. Yes, so indeed. He is literally indeed. someone who started the year the same way he ended last year, and that is in the conversation at least for NL MVP. And he continues to show his worth, whether he's getting on base with a home run or if it's a single and he's driving runs in. He's even last night when the Rangers go out to um, an early lead, who brings them back to within one run? Austin Riley. Riley so yes. that, for me, he's kind of that guy who will continue to talk about him because we don't want to take for granted the amazing start to this season that he's had in being also one of the bright spots for the Braves. What wasn't the bright spot was that guy on the mound. Ooh, so good as Lord. Quickly, as quickly as Kyler Mully got, Kyler Muller, excuse me, got called up from Gwinnett was as quickly as he got sent right back down along with Willie yeah. Woods. Of course. Just a rough go uh, for him and understood. You kind of look at the rotation and to get Max Freed back at the top of the rotation for a very pivotal series against the Mets. Maybe you kind of go into your war chest and you see if maybe you can get a couple of quality innings from Kyle, Kyle Muller. You just kind of may have dug in the chest too deep. Yeah, two and two thirds, four hits, seven earned seven runs, runs, six walks. Runs. Oh yeah. my God! Yes, yes. The just walks. oh, the walks yeah. were killer. It's like, and and that's been the killer for the Braves. Uh, you know, a lot this scene, uh, a lot this season, and yes. early on. Let me say this. Yes. You know, okay. early on in the season, it seemed like that's something that they've been kind of struggling with. Even you know, Kyle Wright. You know, he kind of got off to a slow start. Mm -hmm. You know, in the past. Uh, so, but he was able to write that ship, but. 
that then that wasn't the case for Kyle Muller, um, you know, against the Rangers. But they do have a chance to turn around tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, Max Fried is on the mound. You know, hey, he got about a three ERA, three ERA, and he's the guy that can. We've talked about has been that you know the the the, the leak stopper, right? He's the leak yeah. stopper as the ace of this staff. So. Hopefully, you know, 17th first, uh, first pitch tonight. So, mm -hmm. hopefully, you can see what he can get done on the mound. And then, hopefully, 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 the Braves can get those bats going. Yeah, yeah. Because what we want to see is in a four-game series, at a minimum, get a split of the series. Indeed. Yes, we're yes. early in the season. But the Mets are actually looking pretty decent. So, you want to start getting those division wins as early and as often as you can. And, yes, I think they have the perfect guy on the mound to do it. And even with that ERA, even that ERA is a little bit sneaky, not exactly, how, how do I say, it, it doesn't tell the complete story. Because right. yeah. it, it almost speaks more to his rocky start versus, say, his magnificent start in his last outing. So hopefully we'll see that Max Free, the Max Free that Brian Snicker said post game after the win last week where he goes seven innings and pitches lights out. I don't even think he had a walk, but where Brian Snicker said he showed you he is a number one in the rotation. So hopefully we'll see that Max on the mound tonight. The current, currently, the Braves sent six games back out of the NL East, and and like I said, they have an opportunity to 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 make some way with that. But you know, like I said, all I'm asking for right now, given the way they've been playing, is a split. If they can get a split and and keep it moving and and try to get some wins in the, here in the month of May and have a better month, uh, I'll be cool with that. What I also be cool with is seeing how many starters can come out of the draft for the 22. 2022 draft class for the Atlanta Falcons. Yes. How many do you have? We're going to talk about that next on ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. He's Jarvis. I am Tanitra. We thank you guys for hanging out with us and also for continuing to go to all your audio platforms or wherever you take your podcast in take in this show as well and of course we appreciate you guys continuing to go to youtube to follow us like us and subscribe and also to give your comments we appreciate all of the feedback you guys give us the constructive feedback the do better feedback all of the above and also appreciate you guys rocking with everybody in the locked on sports atlanta network and Jarvis and I personally think that you guys, low-key, some of you, are now rocking with the Falcons again after you saw the entire picture of what they did for the 2022 draft. So we did talk about, of course, Drake London, first-round pick, wide receiver, where not everybody in Falcons country was feeling it. Some folks was feeling some type of way. Some people were head scratching mm -hmm. and others were. And then this group, at least these two, got to the point where we said, you know what? We're going to fall back. Let's see what the rest of it looks like. So then we see a guy that we were both high on in Penn State defensive and Arnold Evicati or AK, as they like to call him. Ho, 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 T. Hold on now. Hold on now. Now, now we talked about in the in the first the opening segment about how it's really hard to kind of figure out where the Falcons go on on draft day because we've been covering this team for several yeah. years. <laughs> now I have to stop. That's why I'm stopping this show right now. Okay. I have to give you your credit because oh. you picked Arnold Evicati, you know, in the second round. For the part of ATL Day 1's mock draft. So, yeah, right. I'm going to have to give you your flowers, okay. give you your round of applause. The draft guru, Tanitra Batiste. Oh, yes. 
go ahead and continue because you yes, look, my sister, you, you did your right. thing. Right. Yes. One right was like super duper exciting across. Look, we'll both take a little cosine on that one because we both still liked what we saw in him. And now that I've heard a little bit more and seen a little bit more on the tape, like I'm smiling even more. It's like yes. the more I see and hear, the more I want to see and hear. We'll we'll talk about exactly what that means to the two of us as we continue through this uh, segment of, of just a deep dive into this draft. So also uh, Jarvis and I think we smiled when we saw Montana State linebacker Troy Anderson get drafted. Mm-hmm. A little nod to Cincinnati QB Desmond Ritter, but we'll talk about how we felt with that one as well. Western Kentucky linebacker D'Angelo Malone. So anytime you get somebody who can even help on that defensive side, you already knew that was going to make ATL Day 1 smile big. A running back, Tyler Algier, important because of course we now know that Mike Davis has been released from the Falcons. Yes. And of course, you've got your um, offensive guard, O-lineman Justin Schaefer, and tight end John Fitzpatrick, which makes the dogs nation smile a whole heck of a lot. Indeed. So, Jarvis, I think overall, while we will hold our and pause on our grades, I think we can at least agree that we are very pleased. And we do think that what Falcons, what the Falcons did in Flowery Branch for the franchise this past weekend is a nice foundation in the second round of the Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith regime. No doubt about it, because when you think about the need, the glaring needs coming into this draft, right? I, I think that it was probably edge rusher. No, it wasn't probably. It was <laughs> edge rusher. <laughs> let, let me correct myself. Uh, edge rusher and wide receiver, because even though I, I still – don't agree with the Drake London pick, right? I get it. But, you know, if you're talking about going into a season with uh, Olamide Zacchaeus as your uh, leading receiver, uh, yeah, that's not a necessarily a good recipe for success when you're talking about trying to win games because they, the Falcons are trying to win games. They've always said that, right? They're going to hold mm-hmm. to that. And I get it. Now, I understand that piece. Mm-hmm. So, um, when you address those like you address those needs early on. Like they got the wide receiver in the first round. They got two. Um, they got an edge rusher in the second round. Then they got you know another one in the third round. Mm-hmm. So uh, and D'Angelo Malone. So yeah. I, I, and but the one thing though, T. You know me. Sometimes I get a gut feeling, right? You yeah. know, I, I call it my futuristic gut. Mm-hmm. You know, with the pick of Detroit, Detroit Anderson pick is is interesting to me because mm-hmm. when you think about that linebacker room, yeah, it's a little loaded. You know, we talk about Michael Walker, who played well, who had to gain weight, you know, to mm-hmm. to to step into. We we had a conversation with him coming into uh, the offseason last year. Yes. And he talked about how that was an adjustment for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be around here. And so. you talk about Rashawn Evans, who they brought in, mm-hmm. who was very familiar with Dean Pease's system. You yes. know, and, and then you, uh, you, you have – uh, Troy Anderson, who they drafted, mm-hmm. who's a guy who's a big guy, 6'4", 240. He's oh, yeah. a uh, prototypical linebacker in this type of scheme, right? Mm-hmm. Guys who have to be able to take in shed blocks and you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Notice I haven't named somebody yet. Deion Jones. And uh-huh. I'm going to get your I'm gonna get your thoughts on this, right? Yeah. Because yeah. is Deion Jones being phased out? Because that's, 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 that's my feeling. That's my gut. That's yeah. what I'm feeling in my gut. And I can't. I can't get rid of it. Like, help me out, T, please. No, no, I think you're (laughs) on to something because I think many of us who cover the Falcons on a day-to-day basis, we have low-key whispered amongst ourselves, hmm, 
Grady Jarrett, no movement on that contract. Hmm. A lot of linebackers in this offseason and now this free agency. No, no, no real commentary about G- Deion Jones. Hmm. So I hmm. believe a lot of us have looked to say, looked at that and said, okay, we know that you know, Dean Pease is the wizard. So you can right. say that it's a base three, four, but you know, he'll put out there whatever he thinks he needs to put out there to get at effect. Or like you like to say, touch the guy under center, right? Yes, so no doubt. He's looking across that entire space. I'm looking across, you're looking across. And I think this is interesting too. When you think about the specific skill sets of an Anderson or Malone versus say what the skill set has been for Deion Jones, how we had seen sort of a drop off, if you will, last year. And yeah. it seemed like there were upticks. But the past couple of years, yeah. And see, that's where I was about to go because some have said, that, oh, that was a uh, a down year for him, similar to how it was a down year for Grady Jarrett because of the way Dean Pease used him. Not so fast. If you look at the numbers before Dean Pease got here, Deion's numbers were still trailing down. So you do wonder if there's a possibility that this could be a phasing out of him. And then you have these guys in sort of, I don't want to call it a down year, but sort of a down year before you completely round out this roster and you have the opportunity to still build them up under somebody like a Dean Pease who can get them to that next level, say the way that he did Foyer. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, just from a, a standpoint of figuring out how to use them, because yes. I don't yes. think it's necessarily going to benefit them if they do cut him or trade him. Um, you, I'm not saying I'm a salary cap expert, but just looking at the numbers, it just doesn't seem like it would make sense. And it would make sense for, it will make more sense for them to go ahead and figure out how to use them, right? So I think that with that, I, I, he, I believe that he probably will be on the roster, but I'm sure they've been figuring out, trying to think trying about, to figure like out. figure out how they can make it work. And 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 I th- and I don't blame them for that because, like I said, yeah. this is a new regime, mm-hmm. and you're trying to bring in guys that you know are going to be around for a while. Yes, and when you look across that roster, we can even say on offense as well. We've seen many spaces and places where Arthur Smith and Dean Pease that. You know, group that duo, if you will, from the Titans have brought over people who fit in their systems previously and fit uh, and had some level of effectiveness where they can hit the ground running. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. But speaking of hitting the ground running, we've been talking as well about this particular draft class and a couple of questions came to mind. So I'm going to just throw all three of them out there because I know that we have in the interest of time, because you know, mm. you guys know we can talk Falcons all day. But Indeed. I got three questions for you that I, I've been pontificating on. Now I want you to. So throw them all out at you. Number okay. one is like a 1A and a 1B, but we'll call it a one and a two. Of this draft class, these eight individuals, who do you see, Jarvis, as someone or someones who can be a day one starter, game one come September? Who do you then see who, hey, if he has a, a tight training camp like we believe he could, hmm, some folks better watch out because they may be, they may not be number one on the depth chart come week three or week four. And then the other question is, speaking of individuals who might be shifting on the depth chart, mm-hmm. what about Desmond Ritter? And what do we think that pick ultimately means for that leader of the Falcons on offense, if not for this entire franchise? So. I'm just going to fall back because I have thoughts, but I want to hear what you have to say. Too. <laughs> you know what? To start off, to the first couple of questions, I kind of grouped them in together, right? Yeah. So uh, I think that the fact that 
the Falcons traded up for Arnold Ebiketti. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they went from 43 to 38, yes. and they gave up a fourth-round pick of mm-hmm. their only fourth-round pick yeah. to to move up. I think that he's a guy that I feel like, barring injury, like yeah. he's going to be day one day starter, one. hands down. So um, I, well, I, I really – I'm glad you said that. If I can caveat it, besides Drake London, we don't have to talk about him. He's the obvious. So I'm glad right, you Right, of course, yes. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I, I I'm automatically assuming like he better be a starter exactly. day one so, starter. Yeah, you get draft the eighth overall. I don't care what position you play. You better be number one day one, um, guaranteed. But yeah, I think Arnold Evicadia is that day one guy that is, that is coming in. And to be honest with you, I'm gonna go a little kind of combo that that last the last uh, two questions. Right, mm-hmm. I think that if Marcus Mariota isn't able mm-hmm. to stay healthy, which is a pretty good bet. Because, you know, given how his um, career has gone, mm-hmm. I think Desmond Ritter, if he comes in and has a really good camp and he can kind of maybe put, uh, pull a, a Russell Wilson type situation yeah. and say, hey, you know what? We paid Matt Flynn all this bread, but uh, right. this Russell Wilson kid, but uh, he is the real deal. Yeah. So and we'll take our lumps with all the other issues. But mm-hmm. overall, we think we we know that this dude has a lot of upside and that's the thing about it because we already know what marcus mariota pretty much is right we know exactly what he is right now you know he's this far far along in his career Mm -hmm. but you know if desmond ritter comes on comes in and says and is able to do the basic things right Mm -hmm. exactly what arthur smith wants him to do i i think i'm sure they they picked him in the third round so he clearly has upside so i think uh, Marcus Mariota may be on notice. It, he better be on notice because I think Desmond Ritter is coming, especially when you appear talking about winning Super Bowls and all that stuff. Agreed, <laughs> agreed. I'm not leaving until I win a Super Bowl. Right. Boy, that's what I'm talking about. You come in here kicking doors <laughs> in. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I believe that when you trade up for AK, you're saying that I'm looking at a guy who can give me what I need, not just in in terms of rushing the passer but he is good in terms of his run defense as well so when he gives you that versatility to be able to affect the game on the ground and in the air you want that guy to be able to hit the ground running so i do think he's that guy and i want to add one more to your desmond ritter when i look at him he's been by the the pundits who watch these games and and watch these players 24 7 365 they say he's got a prototype like marcus mariota and hey Just like, and I'm not trying to be funny, but just like sometimes you kind of go out and you got your your older girlfriend, and then you go look for her, the younger version of her. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that might be this. Uh, yes. <laughs> the younger one got a little upside. She ain't gonna be as crazy. <laughs> well, you know, maybe probably not. She might actually be more crazier. But yeah, he's supposedly the younger prototype of a, a Marcus Mariota without necessarily having the baggage of the injuries that you mentioned and his Mariota's inability to stay on the field versus Desmond Ritter. So yeah, I do like the possibilities of him, if not that day one, creeping up somewhere in the first couple of games. And we also talked about as well, the ability for Justin Schaefer to potentially do that same because yes. there's been so much inconsistency, especially on that right side uh, at guard. Some or shit horribleness. Can I use horribleness? I was horribleness. To be- <laughs> I'm going to use horribleness. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So he has every 
opportunity to be that person who, if he does not start day one, could certainly get there. But speaking of those individuals who get opportunities, we're going to talk about some individuals on the other side of this break in For the Culture, specifically for someone who had a seat at the table and was willing and able to give the opportunities that were so deserving of these players. You want to know who we're talking about? Come back on the other side to ATL Day Ones. Final segment of ATL Day Ones. I'm Jarvis. That's Tanitra. We are rocking with you on a good old Monday. Good Mondays around here. No bad Mondays on, on this show because we like to keep it positive around these around these parts of T. You know, um, I, I think that the one thing that, you know, we, we always enjoy is doing the For the Culture segment. Um, but before we get into it, because, like, we got some good news for you, um, some good good things, a lot of advocating for, you know, HBCU players being drafted because none yeah. got drafted in 2021, which yeah. should not be the case. Um, we're going to get into all that. But first, mm -hmm. we got to tell you about Locked On Sports Atlanta. We want to tell you how to find it. Go to the YouTube um, search box. Type in Locked On Sports Atlanta. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. And you know, um, you can always check us out on all of our audio platforms, and you can download whatever you get your podcast. Um, you can check us out there, and we want to say appreciate you for following along with us over the weekend because we had we had a really really good time, you know, doing some some uh, draft NFL draft stuff, and we've been you know talking about the draft here throughout the entire show, and uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up with you know HBCU players, T. Yes. They or well, four of them were drafted. And I'm gonna go ahead and get those guys their names, give mm -hmm. them their flowers right here. James Houston yes. uh was drafted by the Detroit Lions. We're gonna come mm -hmm. back to that. You know why that's significant is is very significant, right? Um in uh, Fayetteville State's uh, Joshua Williams was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, South Carolina State, um, Jacoby Durant was drafted by the L.A. Rams. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that balled out in the Celebration Bowl. I know you were covering that game, T. Yeah. You were on the sidelines for that. So um, definitely want to um, get your thoughts on him. And Jatari Carter uh, was drafted by the Chicago Bears. And Lord knows they need offensive linemen. And I got a chance to get my eyes on Jatari down in the Senior Bowl. So, yeah, yes. we'll definitely be getting to all that. But first, I think the mm -hmm. most significant thing out of all of this is that Brad Holmes, who's an African-American, mm -hmm. is the general manager for the Detroit Lions. And he talked about how this was significant be mm -hmm. because, you know, he was even getting stuff from his mom. You know, his mom was like, hey, why don't you draft uh, HBCU players? And, and right. the thing that I really liked about how he responded to that, because, mm -hmm. you know, you can't get all hard on mom now. He's right. like, yeah, mom. We want to draft HBCU players, but we don't want to just draft them just to draft them. Right. Like, ain't no tokens being want to be passed out right here. Nobody don't. Nobody wants to be a token token draft pick. Nobody exactly. wants to be that, right? And but the thing that that was significant was that he said that we want those those guys got to be worth drafting too mm -hmm. on the other side. So and I and I, I love the how he put it like that because you know there we we're not asking to be drafted. We want right. to be drafted if we're worthy. You know what I mean? Like, and, and and the fact that the four guys were drafted this year, mm -hmm. they were worthy. They were worthy yeah. of being drafted. Yeah. And they can have a, they're going to have an opportunity to make the teams that they were drafted by. So, mm -hmm. and I, and I think that like you mentioned, coming going in, before we can going into break, um, it's important to have a guy though that looks like them or yeah. has a seat at the table. You know, because I think that's just as important as being good enough. <laughs> yes, agreed. 
anytime we can have a seat at the table in a decision-making capacity. And I was having this conversation with someone this morning. Diversity is not just about the way you look in terms of gender or Mm -hmm. race. It is also about diversity of thought and experience. And no question with Brad Holmes being an HBCU grad, someone who's kind of come up the ranks and not just an HBCU grad at any old HBCU, but one of the football powerhouses, North Carolina A&T, A&T in black yes. college football for the better part of the last decade, if not. And then he goes to a burgeoning powerhouse in Jackson State mm-hmm. and says, hey, I like this James Houston the fourth. I, he's got some potential. I saw it firsthand and was like, he's scary good. This yes. guy, I expect to see, along with the Kobe Grant, had an opportunity to see him as well, said, yeah, I think we might see them on Sunday. And like you said, you also had an opportunity to check out one of the four players at the Senior Bowl and said, wow, there's something. So, again, not asking for a seat at the table just because we're owed a seat at the table, but rather to say, hey, if you give us one, we'll show you why it's good for us to have a seat at the table. So yes, I love what Brad Holmes said. I love his approach. And I think that as this pays dividends, then we'll go back to having, to your point, not the conversation from 2021 with the head scratcher of, and why don't we have an HBCU draft pick to the conversations previously when we talk about a Tariq Cohen and the amazing things he was doing as a running back with the Chicago Bears or Darius Leonard out here being the highest paid. The best linebacker in the league. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Argue yeah. against that. Yeah. <laughs> and just playing light, lights out ball for the Colts. That's the conversation that I believe these four gentlemen could potentially get us back to. You know what? And and I'm and I'm all for it, right? Because like you said, you know, I played at HBCU. Yes. For those who don't know, at yes. the Albany State University, <laughs> so I'm going ahead and represent today. Yes, I got, got to. Yeah, exactly. Like it's real. That's that's not something I purchased. That's something yeah. I earned. Um, so yeah, it's. I understand the plight of yeah. trying to make it to the NFL. I, coming out of the HBCU, it's hard. It's super yeah. hard. We always joked when I, my teammates and I, and how like, okay, either you gotta have read ridiculous unbelievable stats or you got to be blazing in the 40 like you have to run a 4-2 like i don't care what position you play you got if you're offensive line you got to run a 4-2 like somehow something has to happen in order for those guys to be like oh yeah let's go down here and see what's going on like Mm -hmm. you have to be amazing in order to just get a look or a conversation you know because i've talked to i can count on one hand how many scouts i talk to coming Mm -hmm. out you know what i'm saying so i think that it's it, it it just makes my heart happy to see guys getting drafted, multiple guys being drafted, and general managers having conversations about guys being drafted and how they can be drafted and continue to be drafted. So and yeah. and I think I got to give a quick kudos before we get out of here to Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. He is speaking up and speaking out and yes. and having those having a platform to speak out and I mm-hmm. and I absolutely love that. And yes. you can say what you want about Prime, but. Prime is doing his thing, and I, yeah. I I love what he's doing down there, and I think he's he can have, he can take some kudos too for for yeah. these guys getting the opportunity to go into the NFL. Exactly, and I promise I will only make 
two references to the Steelers before we leave out. Okay, one <laughs> reference is <laughs> shout out to, but shout out to the Steeler Nation for getting George Pickens to become a part of Dog Nation. Ooh, I know that Jarvis man. had him on man. his mock draft for the Falcons, but I do think that he landed in an amazing spot there. With yes, he the did. Steelers. I believe that's going to pay dividends for him. But the reason I also bring up the Steelers organization is because when you have a mindset like Brad Holmes, then the Lions franchise will be a place that HBCU players, any players, particular, particularly HBCU players, feel like they'll be set up to succeed. And it just made me think, and so I was over there uh, Googling because I couldn't remember his name, but it reminded me of the legendary scout Bill Nunn who was mm. really the architect for the Steelers back in the day, going and getting all of those HBCU players like yes. uh, Mr. Mel Blunt, who is, uh, you know, a friend of the family or whatever. And it made me think about he'll, you know, Brad Holmes, those scouts, those GMs, those could be the modern day versions of a Bill Nunn who really reset the table to let those HBCU athletes know that if you bring the game, we will find you. And we will put you in position to succeed. Just like at ATL Day Ones, we put you guys in a position to succeed because we always bring the knowledge. We bring it in a way that you guys can appreciate and enjoy and be entertained by the delivery. So come back tomorrow. We'll have more for you guys. Hopefully being able to break down a Braves win. Might even have a little commentary for you about how the pre, uh, pre-draft pre workouts went for the Hawks. They had six guys out there today getting ready for the draft, which is about a month and a half away. And, of course, if there is any other news about the Falcons as they look at their undrafted free agents and start looking at their roster and how they want to make shifts, you'll get that information and get that breakdown right here at ATL Day Ones. We'll see you tomorrow.